0: For everything, for everything, indie, for everything, Colts. It's the Blue Horseshoe now. Now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome back into another edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you. It is Commander's Week, Commander's Preview Pod right here on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Obviously, lots again to have Craig Hoffman of the Take Command podcast, kind of go behind Emmy lines, give us his thoughts and his perspective on the Commanders team heading into Lucas Oil Stadium this week. Myself and George will attempt to get the second prediction of the year correct. We are, if you count quarterback decisions, one in seven on the year. So we are just absolutely killing it, George, when it comes to predictions so far on this pod. We'll discuss some keys to victory as well. But George, I think it makes the most sense this week because obviously the move was surprising and going in benching Matt Ryan and starting with Sam Ellinger this week. Is the overall shock not just from yourself and me, but from the team overall in the locker room? What was kind of your sense of the team reaction now that you're able to be at practice and be in the locker in the last few days? Kind of what's their reaction so far to this surprising
1: move? Yeah, I mean, the word you hear more than any other is shocked. I mean, it came up with just about every player that we've talked to this week. Uh, you know, shock, surprise, caught off guard, however they wanted to say it. Uh, they were all getting to the same place. They all eventually came around to saying the same thing. They're all towing the company line. I, I don't know if there's a mutiny like, you know, forming right now. Uh, but they, they, they all back, you know, they, they all say that they, they, they believe that Sam's a hard worker, that he's a natural leader. They see all the things in him that, that, you know, they feel like they can succeed, but to a man, they're shocked that Matt Ryan was benched this early in the season. I think also at a three three and one record, I think a lot of it goes back to a question that we've kind of asked. You know, why not just say Matt Ryan's injured this week; he's not going to be able to play, and Sam Ellinger the starter, and, and and you're gonna you know uh, evaluate that as you go through the year. Why, with ten games remaining, when you're in the heart of the, the divisional race and you're in the heart of the wild card race, why say you're turning to this second year quarterback and and make that you know, a a solid thing. I think that's where the shock's coming from. I think it'd be a totally different reaction. I think you'd have a lot more guys just standing up and telling you why Sam can win on Sunday if they just simply said, Matt Ryan's hurt, and we're going to see where we go from here.
0: Not to rehash the entire, you know, decision, because we've done that a lot, whether it's the emergency pod or the midweek pod. So if you missed those, check them out on the same podcast feed you are listening to this one right now. But you're right, George. And it's kind of like they had an easy out. Like, Frank right, Chris there said he has a separate shoulder... They could have put him on IR if they wanted to, and just give them buy themselves a month of Sam Ellinger to see where it goes. And then, worst case scenario, if you really wanted to go back to to Matt Ryan when he's quote unquote healthy and ready to play, even though this week I saw that he said if he wanted to, he could have and would have tried to play this week. Um, but I think I just, just kind of show you like that's kind of why I like the move because this is whether it's Schirmer, Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, I Lean Moore, than anyone else telling you this season's lost, and he's not getting. F- fooled into, oh, well, the rest of the AFC is down. No, we're in ninth place in the AFC. We're only, you know, a half game out of the playoffs. Like, we can make a run. He's telling you right now, we have not had a quarterback in a while. We've tried all different guys. We thought, whether it was Carson Wentz or Matt Ryan, this is going to be a, a long-term fix or at least more than one-year fix. Nothing's working, and I think this is just kind of a move saying, you know what, we're done. Like, the, the patchwork is done. The, the hope projects are done. We are taking this seriously, and that's why Matt Ryan, I think that's why they made the news that not only is Matt Ryan benched, but like you said, benched for the entire season when there was an easy out, at least in the short term, to kind of put him on the bench for a little bit and get Sam Ellinger in there. I think that's that's another surprising part of this, why I was again, did not see this coming, uh, this week especially, but I mean, this is the Colts kind of finally, like you kind of mentioned before this week, addressing the or taking the quarterback position seriously for the first time since Andrew Luck retired.
1: Yeah. Now you just got to hope it works. You know, I think the fear here, and and, and again, we don't want to rehash this entire conversation from the, from the week and, and those pods are out there. So go, go and find them. But the fear here is, you know, you've only really got two ways this works. Either Sam's good enough to to take this job and move forward as, as the guy, or he's bad enough to get the guy in here. It's a really heavy quarterback draft, but I, I look at at the 16 teams with a record, you know, behind the Colts right now in the draft order And most of them need a quarterback as well. So it's, I don't know that it's as smooth a road ahead as maybe some people are hoping.
0: Especially when you make this decision, seven games in instead of before the season or, you know, two or three games. And like I said, a lot of other teams have a, I guess we'll call it a head start, if you will, to get to the top of the draft for sure to get a guy they like. But let me ask you this, George, because I do wonder, so you've been at practice, you've been in the locker room. Is there like a, a sense of a hangover, I guess, if, if that's the right word he described, when you kind of see their players' reaction to the the, the benching. Like, I wonder if, like, if you are shocked, like, does that, that carry over in a practice? Do you get the sense, like, maybe this team is not fully locked in or could it go the other way? Like, oh, if Matt Ryan's getting benched, like, my ass could be benched next. Like, I better be on my P's and Q's to make sure, like, is there a kind of a sense outside of just shock of the move? Is, is there a kind of a sense that this is this move has impacted them either in a positive way overall or a negative way?
1: I think it's more of the latter. I I, I think there's more of a sense there of if Matt Ryan can be benched, any of us can be benched. I mean, Jonathan Taylor more or less verbalized that on Thursday, um, you know, in his own way, uh, just saying that everybody's job's on the line all the time in the NFL. That's the the mentality you have to have to survive in this league and that this is just sort of highlighting that, you know, um, when when your starting quarterback goes to the bench. Um, So I think if if anything, it's sort of, galvanize them on that idea there's been a couple guys to force buckner in particular talk about the idea of you know this is something they have to rally around now they've got to rally around sam uh you've had a setback your quarterback's been benched uh they they've all said you know to a man it it wasn't matt ryan's fault there were a lot of other things that happened that led to that and so now they've got to galvanize and fix the things that they did wrong and support you know sam ellinger in, in the best manner that they can uh, I think that's kind of the mentality moving forward. They've got a really good leadership council here. Matt Ryan has stepped out of the way and, and made it a lot easier, too. You know, he could have stood up there. He would have been well within his rights to rip the team. They didn't do enough to to help me. They sold me a bill of goods. This isn't the line I thought I'd play behind. This isn't the running game I thought I would have. You know, he didn't do any of that. He could have not talked at all. That would have been the easy way out. You know, he could have gone in the training room and hid from the media all week. It wouldn't have been a difficult thing to do at all. But I think him coming out, literally the very first thing to happen on Wednesday when we walked into the, to the locker room, and saying, "I'm gonna, you know, I'm disappointed. Personally, it's a, it's a setback. I need to produce more, and I'm gonna pr- I'm gonna help Sam in any way that I can." That takes that off the table, it takes the controversy away True. right away. I think he diffused that completely. I think now the locker room can come together and say, "Hey." No matter how you feel about this, no matter who you think should be the quarterback, no matter if you think this was the right decision, the wrong decision, if you're shocked, if you're angry, if you're overjoyed, no matter what your reaction is, your job now is to go out, clean up the mistakes you've made, and help Sam Ellinger make this team a winner.
0: It is nice in a sense that, like that, like said, so there should be some sort of sense of urgency and almost... Whether you want to or not, like the force change almost does bring a f- breath of fresh air, if you will. The offense, as we know, is going to look different this week, especially. Um, and you hope that could transit over to a win in a 4-3-1 record. Speaking of which, George, how are the Colts going to get to a win? Because we've talked about this offense a ton so far in, in this pod, uh, you know, overall this season. And rightfully so, because that's been the one area where we keep on constantly talking about the offense needing to come through in order for this Colts team to win games. Obviously, we know when you go from, you know, more of a a statue, pocket passer, quick hitter like Matt Ryan is to now a guy who's more mobile, should be able to make plays outside the pocket, give you, you know, some dual threat ability. The the playbook's going to change. The offense is going to change. Does that – is this a game where we can kind of look at Jonathan Taylor, in your opinion, and say, you know what, he should – Let's say be the, the biggest beneficiary from this quarterback change, or is it still kind of got to be? Maybe it's a, a Sam Ellinger game that is going to have to win, or maybe it's the receivers. Like, where if if this Colts team is going to win and score some points, it's like a crazy and say another thirty-four point outburst. But if they just look competent, who's the guy? I think it's going to be most responsible?
1: That's an interesting question. Uh, I think the obvious way to go is is that you hope that Jonathan Taylor is able to 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 come back and and be a major part of this offense. Uh, that they're able to start opening some holes, give him some running lanes, and he can do his thing. That's going to be the quickest way to help out a young quarterback. I think everybody knows that. Everybody understands that. Uh, every team in the league with a young QB wants that running game to fall back on. Every team in the league with an old QB wants that running game to fall <laughs> back on. You can argue that that's part of the reason it didn't work with Matt Ryan, that you didn't have that running game that you could fall back on and and make de- keep defenses honest. Uh, I highly doubt we're going to see 102 pass attempts, you know, this is the last two weeks. <laughs> uh, I highly doubt that we're anywhere near that number the next two weeks. I think that would be one thing you can can bank on. So I suppose it's good for Jonathan Taylor in in that regard. Um, and the idea that he's going to get more carries, I think he's going to be a more focal point of the offense. Uh, I really it, it would probably not be in anybody's best interest to put this game on Sam Ellinger's shoulders. And Frank Reich has said as much, you know, that they're not going to make him uh, that they think he'll make some plays. But that it would be unfair to kind of make him the guy uh, who's driving this, you know, who, whose shoulders it's all on. Uh, my question, uh, honestly, is whether or not it'll work. You know, I don't know that the running game has not worked the last two weeks because they haven't gone to it enough. I look more at the first five weeks when they did go to it and they ended up punting or turning the ball over. I I think the biggest difference between this team and last year's team is that last year they had a good run blocking line. Say what you will about Eric Fisher. He was awful in pass protection. He got Chris Carson Wentz killed a couple of times. He did a good job for the most part in the run game. Mark Glowinski and Chris Reed were road graders there at right guard, opening things up. Jack Doyle, the tight end leading in front of that coming out, clearing out lanes they were a very good run blocking line. You don't have to be a great one to, to, to make Jonathan Taylor uh, useful. I mean, go back to the New England game last year when, when Bill Belichick absolutely came in with the game plan to take him away. If you give that guy a little bit of sunlight, he's probably going to take advantage. I think the fact that they haven't been able to do it so far this year tells you how bad this line's been. I mean, as much as we talk about the 24 sacks, it's the run game that that, that bothers me the most. And I just, if you don't get a push from the offensive line, and they really have it, I don't know that anything changes.
0: I think you're 100% right you talk about Jonathan Taylor being the guy. Like, I think it's, I think the obvious thought would be, oh, well, of course, Sam Ellinger is going to be the one we're watching and going to be the key to victory because he's the you know, only one that's, you're changing a Matt Ryan for Sam Ellinger who brings a different skill set. You would think that should be, the uh, you're 100% right. They, the Colts will not and should absolutely not put a lot on Sam Ellinger's uh, plate if anything, you got to make it as easy for him, especially in this first start as possible. And that's where it goes back to Jonathan Taylor. And I, I am buying into this, this game being a good Jonathan Taylor game because I think now for the first time, defenses will have to actually worry about the quarterback run itself. Sam Millinger's not going to beat you with his arm, right? I think that's a, a fact for sure, especially in week number one. But what he can bring, and I think what, what is going to open up holes for Jonathan Taylor is the fact that now when you bring a dual threat and you have to kind of account for not only Jonathan Tell, but now Sam Ellinger keeping himself and going around the edge or maybe going, you know, behind the tackle, you now have to kind of spread your defense out to make sure you are, you know, fundamentally sound, let's say on the right side and the left side. And what that should do for the first time this season is force defenses to defend the width of the field. Like when you have Matt Ryan back there, obviously there's no threat of him running. So you don't have to really worry about that. And keep in the pocket, it's not that hard to keep in the pocket, but also, too, like defenses are trying to defend more vertically because right? you're afraid of Matt Ryan Beach over the top. And quickly, as we saw, when there's no deep threat, like we saw in Tennessee last week, all of a sudden, just they will put 10 11 guys within 10 yards of line of scrimmage. And whether it's trying to run the ball or pass the ball, there's not a lot of efficiency in doing so. Not that the offensive line has going to block any better because you're 100% right. We've seen who they are, they are who they are. They're not a very good run blocking team this year, that's not going to change. But I do think now when you have the threat, when you have to defend the 52, you know, was it 52 and a third yard uh, Forgetting exact here width of the field? I think that's going to open up enough creases where Jonathan Tara can take advantage of a defense, even having a slight hesitation. Oh, is Sam Miller going to pull it? That's enough where, like you mentioned, he's a home run hitter. You give him one inch of space and then boom, he's gone for a long score. I think this could be Jonathan Taylor's second best game of the season. Now, we were kind of joking before. That's not saying much. right? His best game of the year came in week number one against the Texans. 161 yards on 31 carries and a touchdown. Other than that, you have to go back to the Kent City game in week three where We had 71 yards. That's it. That's Jonathan Taylor's right now second best game of the season. 71 yards in a game. As we know, especially after last year, that, that's like Jonathan Taylor's worst game of the season last year. So the bar is low, George. Like we're not, you know, we're not predicting here is going to be back to like last year's standard, but I do think that this he could finally find some holes a little bit easier, just because uh, of when you have to defend the width of the fielding that should open up some slightly, you know, wider holes than what he was facing so far through the first seven weeks.
1: And I think that's the goal. I mean, if you listen to what Frank Reich and Marcus Brady have said this week, they keep saying they hope to get the running game rolling. And I think they're not going to explain it in in those terms because they're not going to tell Washington what they're going to do coming into Sunday's game. But I think that's what the hope is, you know, spread the, the field out, use the length of the field, mix in some some Naheem Hines into that. And then hope that the short passing game is, is enough to, to complement it. And that, you know, occasionally you're going to take that shot. Like you said, get Sam Ellinger out, uh, outside the pocket and let him throw the ball downfield a little bit. Uh, you know, similar to what we've seen him do in the preseason, you know, where he kind of throws those jump balls to Mike Strawn and and uh you know, and it and Des Patman and, and, and how that works. Um we'll see if that works as well in the regular season as it as it did. Uh, in, in the exhibition games that's one of the big questions but yeah I think this whole key to this quarterback change is Jonathan Taylor if you can get the running game going again and Sam Ellinger can cut down on turnovers then I think they've got a chance to improve as an offense again that's a low bar 16.1 points per game so right. you know you're not asking for a, a big big uh, push there Uh, But I think if Jonathan Taylor can improve and Sam Allen can cut down on, on turnovers, then the offense can take some steps forward. You can feel like you've improved the team because obviously that's what's holding the team back. I mean, everybody feels the defense is not world beaters. It's not a Super Bowl championship defense, but the defense is playing winning football, like they like to say. It's doing enough to keep them in these games. It's making plays and it's doing it without their best linebacker in Shaq Leonard, who maybe will be back this week. Uh, so you feel like the defense is the one unit that really could even get better than it has been. The shot gets in and they add more big plays and more takeaways. They could get even better than they've been. If you can just make some forward motion on the offense, then, you know, I, I think that's the goal here. I think that's what they're trying to get to. I think they just beaten me down through seven weeks and I'm, I don't see it.
0: I mean, you harm right to be, to be skeptical for sure. Like I said, there's no reason to believe without a doubt, but uh, it's tough because I went back last night, George, and I rewatched the lions preseason game just specifically. Cause that was the earliest Sam Ellinger got in. So again, he's not playing against most guys that are on a roster. If they are, they're not starting. So I understand that. But to your point, like he was effective when he had a clean pocket, which we're not going to expect on-, on Sunday for sure. But also the play action game. It wasn't bad. Like he, you know, he was comfortable. He was able to kind of remake a you know a nice read. He was able a few times to roll out the pocket, make a few nice throws. Like if you can establish a running game, obviously here, here's a, a hot take for you. It'll make Sam Ellinger's job a lot easier. But if you can at least get Jonathan Taylor rolling, like you said, that's gonna have to be the key on offense. Let me ask you this: how much would you run him? Sam Ellinger, that is. Because we know there's you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword when it comes to running a quarterback and putting him in harm's way. Is this like a heavy 10-15 times or You still think just a few RPOs kind of keep the defense honest, but more JT?
1: I think that's going to be a real interesting factor in this. I mean, you bring him in and you say it's because of his mobility. If you don't use it at all, then, you know, what was the point? Uh, But if you overuse it, I think one of the biggest fears, you know, with this move is that he's going to get hurt. Uh, He's not the biggest guy on the planet. Uh, We've already seen, I mean, Matt Ryan played 14 years in this league and missed three games. All indications are he would not have played on Sunday. He was going to try to play. You know, he said that Frank Reich said that he thinks that he would have made every effort to play if he'd been asked to. But every indication we have right now, he's got a grade two separation to his throwing shoulder. He probably wasn't going to play on Sunday. So this offensive line got a quarterback who'd missed three games of 14 years injured within seven weeks. To me, the biggest it's concern with, <laughs> with Sam Ellinger right now is that he can't, can't finish the year. In fact, right now, I would bet against it. while I'm being – Debbie Downer today, and, and while I'm bringing the rain clouds to the podcast, I I think the odds are heavily against Sam Ellinger being to play, being able to put stay healthy and play ten games.
0: Sam Ellinger, let's see 6'1", 223. Yeah, that's is a decent size, but you're 100 right. If they were able to beat Matt Ryan down with what was it, 88 quarterback hits and 24 sacks through seven games, like you said, it's not going to get much better. I'm I think because of that you make a great point. I don't think they're going to run him like on on called runs as much as we would think. Because I think you're 100% right. I think Frank Reich is cognizant of the fact that anytime he drops back, even though he's more mobile, he's probably going to get hit. And so I think a lot of his runs, like let's just say, let's just say for argument he runs 15 times on on Sunday. I could see 10 of those being designed pass plays where he's you know bootlegging, rolling out, and then decides, oh, I got a lane I'm going to go. Rather than let's say ten of those fifteen runs are designed quarterback, you know RPO runs. You're right. I just think it's right now, especially with this offensive line in shambles against a good defensive line for the Commanders. You can't call ten design run plays and put your quarterback in uh, in that position where he's going to get hurt. Just because he's going to be under siege anytime he drops back and passes the ball, where you just got to get him on the outside as much as possible, at least to give him the opportunity to either slide or to at least run out of bounds if you can. Because you're right. You want to also see Sam Ellinger, what he can do. You can't see anything if he's on the sideline hurt. And like you just mentioned, Matt Ryan is, is an Man, And it, it, still, this, this Colts of line found a way to beat him down in just a matter of seven games. So if, if Matt Ryan is having trouble staying healthy, even though Sam Ellinger is more mobile, you're right. He's smaller. And I don't really see him being a much sturdier version, let's say, uh, than his predecessor for sure. But you mentioned before. And I, I
1: think... I think too, just real quick, you know, again, I think what you're saying marries up with what we're hearing from Marcus Brady. I mean, what did he say on Tuesday? A lot more naked game. You know, what's that Mm -hmm. talking about? Rolling him out on bootlegs, letting him make that run. And and I think a lot of this is about third and seven, third and five, third and nine. It's not there. There's coverage. Sam takes off and with his feet goes and gets the first down. So I think that's, you're going to see more of that than you're going to see him just tucking the ball and running.
0: Right, like a snap, and he gets it right. You know, quarterback power up the middle. Maybe on third and one we'll see it, or a quarterback sneak more often. But otherwise, you're right. I think it's going to be a lot on the outside, and that's good. that. you have to almost do it. It's just like a, a way to survive at this point until the offense line can either improve or you can kind of figure out, you know, make uh, Sam Ellinger a little bit more comfortable in uh, his decision-making for sure. But that's, again, down the road. Just for this week, when you're uh, just trying to win games, you're 100% right. It's going to get him on the edge and see if he can make a move or so uh, to make a defender miss. On the other side, George, you mentioned Shaquille Leonard. Uh, Obviously, we're recording this on on Thursday afternoon here, so practice is done. We're getting ready for Friday's practice. He was, in his words, he wanted to play last week at the Titans, and he was, as he claimed, outvoted by the coaches in terms of why he missed that big Titans game last week. Is there a sense at all that he's close to playing? Like, if you had to put a percentage on it, would you say 60-40 plays? Or is it still truly up in the air, kind of like it was last week?
1: I'd say 60-40, maybe even a little bit better than that. I mean, he was medically cleared. We know that from last, mm-hmm. week, last week. You know, there, there's no more. He's cleared the concussion protocol. The nose is no longer an issue. The back's the only thing still listed on the uh, the injury report. And honestly, you know, he, he was talking today about that or talking on Thursday about that. Uh, it was more of a nerve situation, similar to Peyton Manning when he was coming back from the shoulder injury. Uh, the left side of his body, there was just a lot of, you know, nerves that were misfiring and that's what was taking so long and getting him back. And he said, he feels fine now. Now he's going to be the foremost authority on that. Obviously Uh, he said today, he feels like a linebacker again. He feels like he can move. He can do everything that he needs to do. Uh, And I think, you know, last week the coaches kind of held him. Well, they didn't kind of think they flat out said they held him back uh, basically to, to save him from himself. And he admitted, maybe he needs that at times. Maybe the competitor in him, it's a little bit too hard uh, not to go out there and, and, and you know put yourself in harm's way. Uh, so I, I would say it's probably 640. We know he's medically cleared. It comes down to whether or not the coaches – and we know from his own mouth on Thursday that he feels like he can go. So it, it comes down to what the coaches want to do at this point. Do they feel confident that he can be the guy? Because part of this, too, is Zaire Franklin's played really well. Zaire Franklin has played really well in his place. And so if you don't feel like, like Leonard's back to being himself – you know, do you feel like Zaire's the better option? That's that's the question. Um, there's ways to get them both on the field. I'm sure they will try to do that and have them both on the field at times. Uh, but I I would lean more towards yes right now. But again, we're 1-7 on predictions, so we'll see how that goes.
0: <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Us predicting whether he's going to play or not, right? Add it to the, to the list of wrong things. We're usually more wrong than that. If you can bet on, in Vegas, can it, will he play or not? Uh, put some money down on no then if me and George are both in the vote that he is going to play. But if he does play George, it's going to be huge. Because we've talked about on the offense, Jonathan Taylor and kind of him possibly having a breakout, I'll put breakout game in quotes, a better game than, than most of what he's had so far this season. But especially too, when you look at this matchup, and not only from the Colts perspective, when you have Sam Ellinger making his first start, but on the other side, we have Taylor Heineke. And especially... If you don't watch a lot of the Commanders, it's fair if you don't. I mean, there's no really reason to. Not a lot of, not a lot to watch. Their their offense is just as bad as the Colts. But if you watch last week at least against the the Packers, they won that game 23-21. 20 there was a defensive score for Green Bay, and there was like at least three or four other opportunities I can count off the top of my head here, where Heineke put the ball in harm's way, and then the Packers either couldn't make a play or there's a flag that bailed him out. Like he is definitely not shy about risking it. And the one of the biggest areas this Colts defense has struggled with so far this season has been making that big splashy play, that that timely turnover or making you know a defensive touchdown. I think this is gonna be a game where if the Colts do pull out the victory. I think they're gonna need a defensive score, George, like whether it's a pick six, scoop it score, fumble, you know, fumbled deep in their own end to kind of, you know put the Colts offense, you know, in a position on a short field. like you are gonna need some sort of big time momentum swinging turnover, maybe two, honestly or three um compared to what we saw so far through seven games. And obviously, there's no one better on the Colts' defense at doing that than uh, than Shaquille Leonard.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% here. I think the ideal situation for the Colts on Sunday is that Sam Ellinger keeps the sacks to a minimum, and when he does get sacked, it's not a 7- or 8-yard l- loss. It's more of a 3- or 4-yard loss. Uh, doesn't and that he fumble doesn't fumble on turn, the sack. It doesn't fumble, doesn't turn the ball over, doesn't put the ball in harm's way. They punt You know, every, every drive ends with a kick, either a punt, a field goal, or an extra point. You get, say, 100 yards and two touchdowns from Jonathan Taylor, which would have been like the baseline expectation a year ago. Uh, You get that from him on Sunday, and then the defense scores a touchdown, and you add a couple field goals, you get 27 points, you win the game. You know, I I think that's probably the best-case scenario on Sunday. Shaq, I think, brings you closer to that because of what he can do. I think Stephon Gilmore becomes a major Mm -hmm. player in this game if Taylor Heineke is willing to, to test him. And I think kind of the dark horse, the guy that I think the defensive touchdowns most likely to come from is Isaiah Rogers. You know, he's he's going to mm, take some gambles. I like that. He's going to take, take risks. That's who he is. And, you know, I think he's a guy that could be a big factor on Sunday uh, because he's that guy who will go out there and, and try to take the ball away. And again, if Shaq's out there and making you make di- different decisions, making you get rid of the ball quickly, making you throw it somewhere you don't want to throw it, Uh, Even if he doesn't cause a turnover himself, there's a lot of things he does on the football field to help somebody else make that play.
0: And when we, you know, when we talk about the offensive struggles, we talk, you know, talk about them at nauseum. Well, then one of the ways to counteract that one of the ways to, I guess, improve, still win the game, despite the offense is again, making a big play like this, whether it's even on special teams, you can get, you know, a big kick return or a big punt return, uh, to get yourself either a score. Yeah. Something right. Like, to their credit, the Colts did that a lot last season, right? Like Whether it was on special teams or defense, they found a way, it felt like more times than not, to make some sort of game-changing play. They got them back in the game or, or taking the lead, and this year, for how well the defense has played, and, and it's hard to criticize them, that's really been the one area they've constantly been lacking in, George, is making that kind of game-changing turnover, which would help, again, immensely if you can have Big 53 back out there who, again, is, there's no one better in the business, especially at, at Punching balls out or stripping them or reading the quarterback's eyes, he will light up this Lucas Oil Stadium crowd uh, on Sunday if he's back and again oh. can make a play because Taylor Heineken is going to give it to you. And just, can that, you can you can you capitalize?
1: That roar would be tremendous if he if he knocks out of a, a fumble or he gets an interception. Uh, it might be the loudest we've heard the stadium all year, and it got pretty loud during that Chiefs game. So I think that's that is a high bar. Some of these other ones are not. That one <laughs> is, uh, and I think they can clear it. Uh, but, you know, when you were talking, I think that to your point, one of the things that we haven't seen this year, last year, at least twice, Bubba Ventrone saw something in the special teams and and they practiced it during that week and somebody got a blocked punt that led to a touchdown. Uh, I think the Rams game, I want to say, and the Jaguars game, both. where yes. he saw something early on and he, you know, he called it and it worked, it'd be a good time for him to pull one of those out of his pocket on Sunday as well.
0: Because outside of, I'm trying to think off the top of my head here, George, outside of like week one when they had the roughing the, the punter, they haven't really mm-hmm. been close, right? Like it's, I can't think off the top of my head where they've actually had a special teams play, whether it's a block punt. They had a block field goal to their credit against the Broncos, which, you know, kind of helped keep that game alive for them. But whether it's kickoffs or punts, they've never really had any splashy plays. Kind of like I said, flip the field and, and kind of, you know, supplement the offense by special teams and defensive scores. Like, if they got it 21 points, you got to get there somehow, right? Let's say to win this game, I think you're going to need a defensive score, a special team score uh, in some regard there to, to kind of really give yourself a, a chance to win this game on Sunday. It's going to be very, very, very interesting, George. It's also going to be very interesting to watch. I wonder. We haven't heard anything. We haven't seen anything. I wonder if Dance that will make an appearance at Oil Stadium. I wonder if, honestly, like, will he be allowed? Like, I don't know if, I don't know what the policy is, but I wonder if Jim Mersey says, sorry, you're not coming in. It's going to be, that might be more dramatic seeing kind of the, the on the field. If There's a meeting pregame or kind of, if you're at home watching the game on TV, seeing if the cameras pan to the owner's box, then maybe what's, what's going on in the field this week.
1: There's a lot of drama between these oh, two owners. Yeah. I don't know. You know, does Ursay tell him that here's a seat in the 600 level, go sit in the (laughs) nosebleeds? You know, I don't know. That's going to be a really interesting situation.
0: Here's two tickets, one for you, one for Carson. You two go go up there (laughs) and, and, you know, make yourself comfortable.
1: Uh, I, I do not know. Uh, I, 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 doubt Carson's here. I mean, he doesn't have to travel, right? He's injured. Um, that'll be, an, although, you know, I'm sure there's, there's a lot of guys on this team that are still really friendly with him. And there's a lot of guys that he's very friendly with. So, you know, maybe he wants to come and, and see them, but I'm sure he's not going to make a visit to the owner's box.
0: I don't, if I had to guess, I would say he probably doesn't show up. Cause I would assume, right? Like, I, mean, my guess. I think he's going to get booed. Like, sure. He can be friendly with a lot of guys on the team, but I, I think he'd be more afraid of the fan reaction, which is not going to be very kind.
1: I mean, most of the time injured quarterbacks don't travel. I think that's, you know, more often than not the case because they're rehabbing and, and, you know, I don't know what his situation is and how close he is to coming back. If, if he's going to be back, like he's on IR, right? So yes, it's still a couple of weeks away. I would say it's most likely he's not there uh, because in, in most circumstances that would be the case. You're usually not back until like right before you come back um, because you've got all a lot of other things that the team would rather you be taking care of than watching the game on, on Sunday. So I will see. you know, I, I think with him, it's one thing with, with Snyder, it's a much more interesting kind of a situation. Um, you know, I will say this kudos to Jim Irsay. We kind of covered it real quick at the time. Um, I think he's in a unique position to be the guy to speak up and, and and say this, but somebody had to do it. Uh, you know, Dan Snyder has been a blight on this league for 20 years and, you know, congratulations to Jeremy Mersey for having the guts to come out and say it publicly.
0: And I have to assume and imagine, George, most, if not almost all, the other owners agree with Jim Mersey, Just whether it's business reasons, whether it's professional reasons, whether it's just they don't have the stones to do it. No one else said it. So you're right. We'll, we'll see kind of what happens and what goes from here. Um, but Jersey, at least whether the other owners wanted to or not, sounds like he kind of got the ball rolling on the future of Dan Center for really the first time uh, kind of putting some internal pressure on him for the first time it, really ever, despite the fact that all the heinous things we hear, uh, you know, it goes on with his, with his team and how he runs the commanders or just again, being an awful owner and basically forcing and alienating what is a very good fan base in the NFL. Just basically forcing them to be apathetic to the team for the last two decades. It's been Unreal to see kind of what's going on there in Washington so far. It'll be interesting to see if he does make an appearance at good old Lucas Austin with his new best pal, Jim Merce, on Sunday. When we do return here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod, Craig Hoffman of the Take Command podcast will go behind Emmy Lyons, give us what he's kind of looking at in this matchup here from the commander's perspective.